Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Razorback Nation, welcome to this episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, make sure you hit the subscribe button and leave us a review while you're listening on your Apple device. You can also catch us on Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and any popular podcast platform. You can also catch the Hog Talk daily, following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Discord, and our website, thehogpen.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hog Talk. You guys act like it's... Pick it up a little bit. Okay? Get your chin up. Smile! Smile! Okay? Dang, you guys, all right? If not, I'm not talking. Let's get rolling. Okay. Razorback Nation, welcome to episode number 36 of the Hog Talk podcast. This is Jacob Davis, your host, and with me as always, Ty Hudson of the Patreon podcast. How's it going tonight, Ty? I'm doing good. Look at you using the right the right name for my YouTube channel. I don't do that because I'm you know transitioning from PTN to the PTP, and you you are nailing it with that. Thank you. I appreciate it. I can't do it, but you can apparently. Maybe you no should problem, run my bro. YouTube channel. No, I got too many things I'm running right now. <laughs> I, I hear you. Believe me, I hear you. So, man, what's been going on with with the state of the program? You have. Rumors that are being turned into newsworthy articles and just fabricated stories. People reading between the lines on stuff. Ah, man, what's Razorback Nation coming to? What what are we getting fed? It's it's just it's ridiculous what we've what we have well, <laughs> going we, for us right now. Yeah, we live in a very we do live in a clickbait society. Let's be honest. And yeah. there was an article by Andy Hodges on hitthatline.com, you know, from the Morning Rush group, that says, was O'Grady's suspension for challenging Morris on Jefferson? That's the title. And I'm not, we're not going to go too deep into this because we've got a lot to cover here. I, yeah. I, I'm going to tell everybody to go read this article. My position on it is that there's a whole lot of conjecture. Uh, there's a whole lot of speculation. And there's, not re- there's no naming of any sources. There, it, it's basically like, here's what we heard. Here's the rumor. I'm going to make a story on it. And that is something we see time from you know time to time on social media and on these sites, and that's fine. Sometimes it's 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 um, it's it's a good read, and maybe there's something to it. Here, it, it just comes off very much full of conjecture, and again, um, speculation, and and there's no again, there's no sources named, there's no nothing named. Not saying what he's what he says happened or, or what he believes could have happened. I'm not saying that it's not true. There's very likely something going on between the players and the coach at this point. We know that when things, when you're not winning, sometimes it's hard to hold together a locker room. That I could absolutely see this happening, but I, I don't know. I just kind of felt like Andy's Andy's article, and I like Andy. I'm going to be honest with you. I like all the guys at Morning Rush. We've had a couple of them on here, um, and and I think Andy does a good job. I, I feel like again, this article though, that ain't it. Like uh, again, it's I, I recommend everybody to go read it. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure hitthatline.com will appreciate the the uh, the traffic over there. Go go read it. Not that they need any help; they're doing fine. But it's it's an interesting read. But again, there's just um, not a whole lot of substance there. I don't think, which is rare. I think from from Andy Hodges. Yeah, because Andy's really a really good guy. Really, 
really write some good stuff but today with the with the CJ O'Grady just thinking, okay, did he really go to Chad Morris and, and contest him starting Ben Hicks over KJ Jefferson or the fact, you know, about uh, what Chad Morris said in his press game conference press game press conference in the post game, excuse me guys. Get tripped up on my words sometimes. But hey, look, they're in a in a society that that looks to find any way to be offended by something or create offensive topics or or create stories that that could be nothing and turn it into something. I mean, it's just it's it's terrible. I mean, well, we even get called we even get called out for making something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> I mean, that, that's it, fine. That's fine. I, I have no problem with people. I mean, we get this sometimes from time to time. Not everybody. We get some great comments. Most, oh, yeah, I absolutely. would argue, seventy five percent of the people that come through Facebook, Discord, Twitter, anywhere, my YouTube channel, seventy five percent of them. Um, have good things to say, not just about us, but just, you know, they're not overly negative. They're not taking shots at us, whatever. But sometimes you do get those very moronic people that just want to drop, like, you know, people that get offended by a picture you posted that said to caption this. We had someone, um, Brad Davis, who had a little, just I thought the the dumbest response to that. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but here, the, I, I, my biggest problem, and again, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but there's something that Chad Moore said that I guess, I don't know if it triggered Andy Hodges. I don't know. I doubt Andy's listening to this podcast, but if you are, I'm curious what, wh- how you went, how, how you got this out of what Chad Moore said. But Chad said in the, in the, you know, talking to the media in the post game, he says, we kept it as simple as possible with him. Okay. Okay. That, I get it. Like that's, a, he's a true freshman, but Andy says, in his article for the Razorbacks who have historically who have historically not had a large percentage of African American players at the quarterback position, that comment was jaw dropping. How do you that you talk about grasping at straws? I mean, yeah. and I know that Andy doesn't believe that Chad Morris is a racist, but you're that is one hell of a reach in this article. Look, and I I don't get it. I don't understand it. Look, if Ben Hicks and Nick Starkle can't grasp the offense, I mean, maybe he should have kept it simple for them, too. <laughs> Very, ooh, that's a good one. That's a jab right. right there, ladies and maybe, gentlemen. Maybe the 60% of the offense that was installed, maybe the 40% that wasn't, maybe maybe it's easier than the other 60%. Have we ever what, thought about that? What is, like, he's a true freshman. This is yeah. an 18, what, 18, 19-year-old yeah. kid. Whereas you've got these other players who have had some experience either at this level yeah. or under Chad Morris. So, of course, he's going to. I would have said the same thing. Now, I, yeah. I've only read like the transcript. I haven't actually heard like maybe what Chad Morris, if he said it with like a tone. I don't know. Like, what does it matter? People, this just comes off as like this triggered Andy Hodges. Like, oh, well, you know, that's racist. And again, he even he even follows that up with the fact that Morris wasn't trying to insult anybody. It just shows how in over his head he is as a head coach of an SEC program. It was a comment, to, Ty. It, it was a it, comment. That's all it was. It was we. He's stating a fact. We had to keep. We kept it simple. He's a yeah. true freshman quarterback. Look, Ben Hicks didn't even have one hundred percent of the playbook installed, and this guy oh. played under Chad that we know of. Nick Starkle, they only had what thirty percent of the offense installed. 
John Stevens is probably less than that. How much do you think they have with KJ? Of course they kept it simple. It's not – they're not – like, you're the one making the the assumption that because he's an African-American, yeah. that that's why they kept it simple. Or maybe that that's why it was so insensitive for him to say that. Right. You're the one making – you're the one grasping at straws by saying that, by making that reach. Yeah. And look, I have well, a lot of issues with this article, a lot of conjecture. Uh, you know, he got called out on Twitter, not going to lie. Uh, someone that you know personally, Ted A. Tolleson, commented on Twitter, and he said, what a garbage article, made up questions and conjecture. I'm upset as the next fan, but this article was a hatchet job. Yeah. Dallas Pruitt says, your article doesn't state whether your claim is speculation or coming directly from a source. Now, that I think they're referring to more of the O'Grady stuff. Yeah. Uh, which, again, we're not denying that it didn't happen, but it's like, I don't know, name your How do we know it did? Exactly. Exactly. But, Andy, I mean, we look. like your stuff. If you happen to stumble upon this, we like what you write. Generally, we just have a couple of questions. This is yeah, we've got we've got some questions for you, bud. I, I, so, I don't I don't get it. So, did you watch Trey Biddy's, uh Walk and Talk? I did not. I, I Razorback fans. I'm sorry, we're endorsing so many other people. Uh, we are. If you're go watch <laughs> Trey Biddy's Walk and Talk after the game. I mean, good grief. I loved it. Every single moment of it. It was. It, it, it explained how I felt about the game, and, and I love the 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 program. I want to see it do well. I was thinking the whole time. Look, I posted on Facebook yesterday. It had been two years and three hundred sixty-two days since Arkansas last won an SEC game at home. Right. Twenty sixteen versus Florida. Like I was. I was preparing myself. I'm like, look. This grand old lady deserves to be one in today, and it was embarrassed. Arkansas gave up 640 yards of offense, 460 yards rushing. I mean, these guys ran for eight yards a carry, 8.43 yards per play on passing and rushing. Do, so do we want to go ahead and just transition into the Mississippi State let's, game really let's quick? Let's just do it. Like, okay. I don't, We're here. Ty, Ty Stevens, 12 of 18. Or, or I think I think it's his name. Stevens was twelve of eighteen for Mississippi State, one hundred seventy-two yards and two touchdowns, and he wasn't even the starter. Mm-hmm. It had been Garrett Schrader all for the majority of the last few games. Yeah, and uh, they had Burnett their their backup, or I guess he was his third. Their third string was one of one for eight yards. So they threw for one hundred eighty yards. Colin Hill, the the their. Their top running back, who's been a thorn in Arkansas' side for for the whole majority of his career, uh, 234 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Gibson, uh, 129 yards, one touchdown. Stevens ran for 74. Witherspoon ran for 24. Uh, Malik Deer, two for four yards. They scored four touchdowns on the ground on 57 carries with a long run of 62 yards. And all day, Arkansas's... Uh, Arkansas's defense was just terrible. They couldn't stop the run at all. Like ridiculous. So, Eight point one yards per carry, Ty. Yeah, a that quick was story. Almost, almost as bad as as the uh, Auburn game in sixteen. Go a ahead. quick story. It's, it's worse. This is worse because Mississippi State is is not a good team. This no, is a team that's not five, even bowl yeah. eligible. Um, Tommy Stevens. A quick story on him. Yeah, he goes twelve of eighteen for one seventy two as a quarterback rating, not super high, sixty four yeah. and a half. But uh, he was their starter at some point in the beginning yeah, of the year. At the very beginning. And they benched him because he was terrible. Yeah. 
I read that on like I, not only did they it's say the that truth. on the SEC network, they said that he was the starter, but he got benched. But then someone on Twitter, some Mississippi State fans were like, "Wow, a guy who couldn't even win the starting job at the early early on in the year or lost the starting job because he was so terrible just made you guys look silly." And it's like, yeah. I, I I I hate joining these fire them now bandwagon. Like I hate that because it's I I just I think it sends a poor, not so great message when you're firing coaches at, at a school like Arkansas in the middle of the year or towards the end of the year. Although I did say at the end of Brett Bielema, I said that last game, fire him before the Mizzou game. I said that because of timing, but you still got games left. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that firing Chad Morris does anything other than force these kids to want to transfer and, and, you know, it sends a pretty clear message to other coaches that they're willing to do something like this at this point in the season. Yeah. But, now, Western Kentucky is going to be a different story. If you lose that one, I, I'm all out. Like, do whatever you want. But I guess the point that I'm trying to get to is that Chavis is an atrocious defensive coordinator. It's bad. He's terrible. I, I, if you go back and watch, and I went back and watched uh, the first quarter, they were lined up. Like, Mississippi State knew exactly where to run. Yeah. Holes opened up so big that you and I could run through them and gain 10, 12 yards yeah. or go 30 yards downfield. I don't know how many total, I don't have it in front of me, how many total 20-yard plays they had, but it sure as hell seemed like they had a lot. They, they were like out every of, other play, it seemed like. They were, yeah, they were out of position or missed tackles, not ready. There were several times before the snap you had corners looking around, just lost, and they didn't know what – I guess they just didn't have the call from the sidelines or maybe the linebacker didn't communicate um, on the field with the rest of the team. I don't know. But they, they were out of position, it seemed like, almost every other play. Guys were – they were either out of position or Chavis had them lined up in the wrong – at the wrong place at the wrong time. Called – called uh, got called out for, for the obvious blitzing. Like, they didn't try to disguise any of the blitzing when they did blitz. It just – it was – it just seemed like Mississippi State was two steps ahead of everything Chavis was trying to do as a play caller for the defense, and uh, it's week in and week out. And I knew, like Portland State, I saw signs of that, and I thought, well, this is game one, like we do, like we've said here a million times. We go back to that Portland State game, and again, we say, well, maybe that was just game one at that time. And now we look back, and there's so many telling things. From, te- yeah. from from games like Portland State, from even the Colorado State game to the Kentucky game, there's so many things that we saw then that we're now looking at and going, "Oh my God, those those were those were a sign of things to come." And and here they are. Um, what's the saying? Chickens have come home to roost, or whatever. It's when Mississippi State, a team that averages what 24 points a game, uh, one of the bottom dwellers in, in in every category on both sides of the ball walks in here and looks like they're full of all Americans and look like they're trying to compete for the SEC West uh, to play for the uh, in the SEC championship and you're on your home turf at 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 homecoming, guys. I don't even i I know we say this every week with every loss and they continue to build up. I just don't know what this staff if there's any hope. Chavis has got to go. Yeah. And and I hate to say that I I don't consider us members of the media, but I guess we kind of are. Um, and I hate to line up and say that, not because of that fact, but it just kind of I don't know. I it just doesn't seem very becoming yeah. to say it. But it, it's it's just I don't. Chavis is terrible. I I've just there's so many problems with this team that are a reflection of Chad Morris. I get that. And I'm 100 percent on board with that. But 
they're not prepared week in and week out, and it's yeah. just terrible. The good thing, the good thing we saw was KJ Jefferson. That was the best thing all day. That's and the best the, thing all year. The the loudest ovation of the day was one A and one B when uh, John Stephen Jones was able to. Uh, he was inserted in at quarterback after Ben Hicks, and then it was even louder with less people when KJ Jefferson came into quarterback. I mean, it was it was incredible. It was. But Ben Hicks was four of thirteen for forty four yards. Look, KJ Jefferson had thirty two yards on one play, passing the ball. <laughs> four plays, seventy five yards, yeah. touchdown. Rakeem Boyd still, still only gets eleven carries in this ball game. I'd love yeah, to I know that. I know I know Arkansas was behind a lot during the game, but man, you gotta give it to your Bill Cal. And Rakeem Boyd is doing work and when he only gets eleven carries in a ball game mm-hmm. and he and he looks as quick and as explosive every single time he touches it, get in the dad gum ball, Ty. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Uh, we'll go. Uh, K KJ was one of two for thirty-two yards. Had a quarterback rating of ninety-nine. And for those wondering, according to ESPN, Ben Hicks four of thirteen, forty-four yards, one pick, which was for six. He had a quarterback rating of two point eight, according to ESPN. And that's through. I mean, granted, that's not a whole game. Uh, you know the uh, QBR, but I. I <laughs> it's just um, I. At this point forward, do not play Hicks or or Nick Starkle. No more. That's it. Yeah. That's gotta. That's gotta be the. You're no. You, you're no longer fighting for a bowl game now. It's it's effectively over. And I think a lot right. of us. I mean, we all knew this so, was coming. So if Hicks trots out for Western Kentucky as a starter, what are you doing next next Monday, uh, next Saturday morning at eleven a.m. Turning it off. I'm, I'm, well, I mean, I'm gonna watch it because I gotta watch it. But, yeah. Um. I I don't know I <laughs> I just don't know I I could see him doing it with Hicks I really can't I could see him either Hicks or John Steven. yeah and I don't have a problem with John Steven because I do think John Steven has that element that can help this offense roll and you know what? I I said on the live show on the PTN live show PTP rather live show um, after the game. I said it before, I'd kind of come around to the fact that, you know what, you just have to have an RPO guy to run this offense. And a lot of people say, well, yeah, duh, no kidding. What I meant was you have to have an RPO quarterback that can run the ball. And while that sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, we have seen this offense work with a passing quarterback. And that was Ben Hicks at SMU. Now, I know a lot of people want to say, well, that's a different conference. That's not a power five. And that's completely, I, I get that. But you also have to consider what they were working with at SMU. It's not like they were working with the world's greatest t- talent. Outside of Cortland Sutton, um, you're talking about a program that didn't have a tight end. That offense relies on tight ends very heavily. Uh, you, you know, Their skill position players were really good. Outside of Cortland Sutton, though, they weren't that great. You had, you had, two, you had an elite-level receiver in Cortland Sutton. You had another guy behind him that was pretty good. And then besides that, you didn't have a whole lot. But the, the point I'm getting at is that you, you don't – Typically, we've seen this offense ran without a run first or a dual threat quarterback running the RPO. And the reason, and what what we have seen bits and pieces of that until he falls apart and throws picks is Nick Starkle. The element that Starkle adds is the ability to stretch the field. 
Yep. That's how you uh, go back and watch DJ Williams. I don't know if you saw this, Jacob. He posted the breakdown of the plays. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And how effective, you know, having someone like John Steven or KJ, and he's not wrong. But another way that offense is ran, when you fake the give inside, that could free up a wide out to run a, you know, a hitch or a, a post or a slant or a fade route. And you've now, the safety and the secondary have bid on the play fake. They've bid on the RPO. You've, you know, we see offenses do this all the time. And then they just, they just let the quarterback air it out. That's how the RPO can actually be ran without a dual threat quarterback. Now, at Arkansas, it's very clear that they don't have a quarterback capable of of throwing the ball downfield without turning it over. So that portion, that style of the RPO can't be ran here. You have to have someone like KJ or John Steven in. You have to have someone who can actually run the ball. You've got too many freshmen at, at the wide receiver position. Uh, our pass blocking is atrocious. Like It's just not going to work. You're going to have to have a quarterback who can truly either tuck it and run or give it to the running back. Um, I guess I, I wasn't too clear on that on the live show, and I want to be clear about that here. I, I do agree that this offense is more effective with someone like KJ and John Steven. But it's if they if if next weekend, if you if you play Hicks again, and your offense is stalling after one or two drives, and you still leave him in, I mean you're gonna there's gonna be riots. There's gonna people are gonna be so. I, I don't know about that, and I'm not condoning that. I don't think anybody's you know. I get the yelling and screaming, but please don't you know, don't take the field you know trying to do any harm to anybody but people are going to be pissed and this is this is uh i don't know i i've never seen the razorback crowd seem so i don't know i don't want to say hostile but just the things are really bad and i don't think the, i don't think we're stating anything groundbreaking here no. to, to your point about rakeem boyd how the hell does this guy like you said like you were asking how does this guy only get 11 carries a game what, what? How are you not getting him the ball? I do like that they're trying to get Traylon Burks involved. Yeah, they are. They're trying to throw it to him. They're trying to give him the ball out of the backfield. They're trying to get him, you know, on those little end rounds and and whatever. But um, I don't understand how Rakeem Boyd is is only getting the ball eleven to thirteen times a game. I don't understand it. He's arguably one of the top three, top four backs I think in the SEC, and you give him the ball eleven times. Yeah. And Traylon Burke's first reception was that 32-yard uh, bomb by K.J. Jefferson. That was Traylon Burke's only reception as well. Only catch. That's right. His only catch. Now, they had, I don't know how many different receivers, uh, like seven different targets, which is good. Shows yeah. you're spreading the ball out. But they've all, you're looking at one, one, I think one. I think they're all ones except yeah. maybe one player. I think Burks had two catches. Yeah, Burks had one. Grayson Gunner had one. Tyson Morris with two, Woods with two, Knox, Harold, Henry with one apiece. It's good to see Henry out there, though, right? Hudson Henry. <laughs> yeah, it was really. He played a lot, but he was only targeted once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think as they move forward, the goal is, and we've heard Chad Moore say this before, um, they don't want to be in a situation where they have to throw the ball 50 times a game. No. And, 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 and here, they only threw it 24 times. Like you said, they were eight they were of three and out. out. Every every drive, it seemed like they're they're going to be. This is what they're trying to do. You know, they want to get. It's going to be a running back by committee. De, uh, you know, when, when Rakeem Boyd is gone, I feel like he's gone after this year. I don't see him coming back just because of how bad things are. And he's a legit, I think, NFL prospect. Absolutely, um, maybe a later round guy, but he's definitely someone who could get drafted. Um, 
but that's what you're that's the that's where they want to go is where you have these you know a true quarterback RPO rush style RPO quarterback who can tuck it and run you know keep it or give it to the to the running back off an end around or whatever you know how they go with the guy in motion and right. it's up to the quarterback whether or not he has to identify who's in the box and he has to depend on or he has to uh, in a split second make the decision am I going to keep it or do I give it to the running back and that's what that's what this offense is supposed to be and you don't like when you see this offense throwing the ball 50 times a game that's a problem here they threw the ball again only 24 and it was still a problem right because of a how bad the how atrocious the defense was and just how far behind they are on offense but i i just i don't understand why the playmakers are struggling to make plays you know or or at least why they're not put in better positions to make plays i guess is the best way to put that question and now all of a sudden we're looking forward at this western kentucky game and it's like is this the game that is this it? Like, if he loses, is he gone? Is are they going to fire him right off the field? So that makes Friday's show that much bigger. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to answer that somehow. I don't know how. There's no telling. So you want to skip over to basketball for a little bit? Oh, let's leave this. I think it's time. Behind. Oh lord, <laughs> can't believe we spent thirty minutes on that. It's so and there's so many questions and there's so many. Just, just so much disappointment with football. And it's at the point where, like, now, okay, here's basketball season. It's starting. We don't even want to concentrate on football. But we know there's still people that want to hear us talk yeah. about it. So, so I mean, I did attend Arkansas's open practice on Saw that. on Saturday. It was really, really good time. I mean, he sent, he sent his players up to the fans halfway through the practice to tell them thank you and, and uh, thanks for coming to the practice and seeing what we're all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they actually practiced. They ran sets. They ran. They ran plays where they they actually had to. Uh, basically, they they practiced for about ten minutes on rebounding. Wow, and That's more than Anderson ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they. So so. Uh, what's his name? Musselman. Musselman put a. He asked. He said, "Hey, when do y'all go get the bubble?" So I thought. I, I automatically thought. Okay, he's going to put a bubble to uh, in in the basket to you know bounce the ball out, practice on rebounding. I thought they were going to practice on rebounds that that uh, went out a little bit further, kind of those long rebounds from three. Yeah. So he put this rubber orange thing. It was a uh, half half circle in the basket, had a few uh, uh, pieces that poked out as big as a basketball to uh, change the directions uh, for for rebounds. It had one on the uh, very top, one on both sides, and one at the front of the basket. And so every time uh, one of the GAs shot the ball uh, during the live portion, they would practice on the rebounds, go to the other end, and they would practice a play. And they they could not end the play until they made a basket. They had to have a basket of some sort. Wow. Yeah. Like I mean, you you shot it, you you shot it until you made one. So, I mean, they practice on the shooting, the rebounding, and and execution basically. So much more ball movement in this offense, uh, guys moving without the ball too. So I mean, and, and man, there was probably twenty plays set up. I mean, just from what I saw, about twenty plays that they were practicing uh, on Saturday. 
So it shows you there's at least some set plays in this offense uh, compared to what Mike Anderson would run. And that's, besides the basics, that's what Nick Mason said when we had him on here. He said that you know uh, you're going to see a lot more of that you're going to see a lot more uh, more set plays drawn yeah. up, and they're going to have them like it's going to be something that they practice. And and here we are, you know. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to go into detail because you never know. I mean, what's going on? Uh, what kind of people are listening to us? But I mean, there was I mean a lot of a lot of the plays had an NBA name to them, like. Hey, this is what Golden State runs, or this is what the Denver Nuggets run on this play, or uh, Houston runs this. And it obviously, when when you share this with recruits that are watching you practice, and you automatically start talking about, hey, when you go when when they go into uh, a recruiting room, and uh, it's called the NBA room or the war room or something like that, and he comes in and brings these prospects in, and he says. This is how you get to the NBA, and I'm going to show you the way to the NBA if you will if you will follow these steps. So he goes through these check marks of saying, hey, this is what you had to follow through to be able to get to the NBA. I can get right. you there. I mean, heck, Musselman's a former NBA coach of the year with the Warriors. He, he's been in every every kind of league, whether it's the G Leagues or, or uh, the minor leagues, college. He's coached everywhere. He has the pedigree, so the guy knows. Right. His father was a a legendary NBA coach as well. So, is was there a plan to to keep all these practices open? Do you know? I don't. I don't think so. I think they just wanted to have maybe something there. I mean, I, I don't think there's going to be an open practice again because uh, you know most of those practices are spent inside the. Uh, new basketball practice facility, so they don't usually practice. Oh, that's yeah, that's true. Before. That's very true. Yeah. So, so they probably they probably won't. Maybe unless there's, I mean, there's not another home game for football again. So I don't I don't know. Uh, I keep forgetting about that that indoor facility or the uh, the new yeah. and new ish facility. And Anderson wanted that because he knew that it would. That w- it would help in recruiting, help in, in game, uh, helping getting game preps to go into. Because, I mean, you would have to practice around other people's schedules because it's not just, this is not just the basketball players' gymnasium. This is the school's gymnasium. They would do classes in there uh, and, and other sports uh, going on in there as well. So, I mean, if gymnastics was practicing in Barnhill, they'd have to have women's basketball in Bud Walton. And yeah. so you'd have to share the you'd have to share the facility. So now, now you just have two two different teams practicing in the facility. So you don't really have to worry about well, where am I going to practice next? And that that was the concern with Mike Anderson. Now Muslim, right. I think he's going to capitalize on it. Yeah, it's it's you know it's what I'm talking about when we when we mentioned you know building a foundation. You got that yeah. practice facility and and um, you know and the the renovations to Bud Walton and everything that they've done. Um, I know we want to go ahead and do our picks because yeah. the season is here. The season is upon us. Um, and I, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, well, I, I want to hear yours first. I want to hear you pay, if you're okay with that, if you want to go with your Razorback basketball predictions for 2019 and 2020. Uh, there's a well, sound bite. Yeah, <laughs> there's a sound bite. I think Arkansas has a chance to win their home games. But oh. Walton's. I don't know if they'll win all of them, but I think they'll they will win the majority of them. I think they will establish home court. 
because they lost home court a little bit last year. Yeah. They're going to be trying to get it back. And and you have – I was really impressed with Silla. That guy, when he gets hot, he can shoot from anywhere on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of those that's a, uh, a tweener, small forward, power forward type. So I think he's going to – I think um, – this is this is part of my predictions. I mean, we're gonna get there, and, but you're you're gonna be so short on people and, and guys. And I think the uh, the way Musselman's system will work, it won't wear the guys down as much as what Anderson's did. But because they played a lot, phys- a lot they had a physical practice on Saturday. Guys are red; they were beat up. So obviously, Musselman's system is gonna be a physical one. I think they win each of their first five games, and then they go on the road to play Georgia Tech uh, Monday, November 25th, I think. I don't know. I haven't really paid much attention to what Georgia Tech's doing. Arkansas lost a very winnable game there last year. I think think Arkansas, Musselman will have those guys ready. I think they end up starting 6-0 there. They play Northern Kentucky at home, Austin Peay at home, and they go at Western Kentucky. I think – with Rick Stansberry, I think they'll end up losing their first game there. So I think they'll start this season eight eight and one. They'll play Tulsa, get nine and one. Valparaiso in Little Rock, that'll be ten and one. They'll go two at they will go to Indiana. So I think that's ten and two. So I think I think that's a fair non conference record on a first year coach. And then you have Texas A and M who's gonna be with new coach Buzz Williams at home six PM on January fourth. I'll say I think I think that one might be I don't think you win that one I don't think you beat LSU at on the road or uh, Ole Miss on the road and then you get Vanderbilt so you start zero and three in conference play eleven and or yeah ten and ten and five overall. You think so? Wait, you think they lose at home to A and M? Yeah, I think so. Really? Yeah. Don't ask me why. I just I just don't I don't feel it right right off the bat. Then you get Vanderbilt at home. So that'll be 11 wins. Kentucky, no, I don't see them winning that one. At Mississippi State, I think Arkansas I think Arkansas will pick up their first road victory in the conference uh, that night. And then they have TCU. They swing back to get a win, a victory number 13 at home in the Big 12 uh, SEC Challenge. And then they play South Carolina at home. That's another win. I will pick them to win three in a row there. So I think I'm up to 14 wins. At Alabama, I think that's I, I think that might be a victory, maybe maybe fifty fifty right now because Alabama's in a in a uh, new system with Nate Oates. They they got rid of Jeremy mm-hmm. or An- Andy Johnson or, or Anthony Johnson uh, at Alabama. Auburn at home, I don't see them winning that one. Uh, so I'm at fifteen wins right now at Missouri at Tennessee. I don't see them winning that one. I think they sweep Mississippi State to get to sixteen. At Florida, and then you have Missouri at home. I think you get that one for victory number sixteen, that and then you 17, have seven seventeen, and then you have Tennessee, Georgia, and LSU. I think uh, Arkansas may pick up a victory over uh, LSU to close out the season at home, and then at College Station. So that's nineteen, and then they end the season. I think I think anywhere between seventeen and nineteen wins is is a fair assessment. So I'm going to right grill now. you on that. I've got to grill you on this. Okay. 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 At home against A&M, you know A&M's like – Are they bad? They're be very good. I don't think they're going to be very good they, at all. Yeah. I know they got Buzz Williams, um, but I, I, they don't really – they don't stand out on paper. They don't have 
I don't think they have near as much as, as, as what Mississippi State does, but then you've got Arkansas going on the road to beat Mississippi State at Starkville. I think they might surprise some guys. Okay. you, you got to think, though, Arkansas does have some sharp shooters. And, yeah, they do. I mean, they, they can get hot at any time because you look – any any guy, if they get if you can get two or three guys hot on the right night, aka Mason Jones, Isaiah Joe at the same time. Yeah. Mason Jones had multiple thirty point games. Isaiah can break out shooting from three. If you can get guys going at certain points during the season, you can beat a few teams that you're not supposed to. But you can also lose to a couple of teams that you're not supposed to. My my biggest That's problem is is Mississippi State, I think, is gonna be good. I think they're I think gonna be so. They got I mean they went twenty three and eleven last year. But they were supposed to be better than that. Well, yeah, they were, but they still got 23 wins, though, in a really good know. league. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they brought in DJ Stewart, who's a top-five prospect. Yeah, he was really good. Um, I just think they're, they're stout. They've got, um, they've got the size. They've got, they've got a couple of seven-footers. They've got at least two or three seven-footers on that bench. Um, you know, obviously, it's uh, – uh, uh, a little bit of uh, of an issue there with Arkansas and their size. I think Arkansas size is going to get them in trouble with teams like yeah. Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State's probably one. I, maybe I'm wrong. I think they're one of the top three teams in the league. Um, I don't like them even getting a single win against Mississippi State. I think they play them twice. Uh, they got them at home and they got them on the road. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't think they win either one of those. Uh, Unless you have anything more to add, I'll, I'll start with mine. I mean, I think seventeen to nineteen wins is a fair assessment by me. I, yeah, I, I don't think I'll go over that. Seventeen isn't uh, out of the realm of possibilities. And I mean, look. To be fair, this is this is just for fun. We have no yeah. idea what they're going to have on the no, court. Not like, at all. We could both be wrong, and he goes out there and wins twenty four games his first year, or we could do the opposite and win ten. <laughs> yeah, um, you never know. Based on what I've what I've seen, you've seen more than I have. I'm not outside of Isaiah Joe. I'm not completely sold on the rest of this roster. I think they have a talent problem. They have a size problem. Um, it might change with Vanover, who can kind of stretch the court a little bit, and obviously he's a rebounder. Uh, but he's your only big. You don't have a true five. Uh, you barely have any fours. You don't have anybody above what six, seven, six, eight. Um, Joe is great. Don't get me wrong. Isaiah Joe is a second round, third round NBA shooter, sharpshooter. I think yeah. most projections have him at. But again, when you talk about depth, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go game by game. But I will say, uh, their non conference record. I don't like them winning at Georgia Tech. I think at Western Kentucky might even be questionable. Um, at Indiana, I've got as a loss. Uh, TCU at Bud Walton. I, I don't know. I just don't know enough about TCU. But I could, I you know, again, based on what I've seen, I would probably pick TCU to win that game. Um, like I said, I don't like them winning. In fact, most of their road games, I don't like them in many of their road games. Nah. Um, there's only maybe a couple that I'm like, okay, it's possible. But you've got LSU on the road as your first uh, as your first road game, January eighth uh, at eight p.m. And LSU, they're cheating cheating asses um <laughs> they're gonna probably mop the floor with arkansas i mean again conjecture i don't know we have I'm no not, idea I'm not but I, I, I don't think lsu or i don't think arkansas has a chance against the likes of lsu um or kentucky or definitely not kentucky or at florida uh at georgia um 
I, you know, what I do know about Georgia is that, well, first off, it's a 5 p.m. game, so it's not super late and it's not super early. You got to be happy with that. Um, Georgia, though, last year, uh, they were terrible. I, I think they were like one of the worst teams in the league at 11 and 21, I think, is what they finished. Uh, they finished overall in the SEC 2 and 16, 13. So they've got a shot at Georgia. Um, that might be their only chance. Uh, they're, 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 I don't know how well they did in terms of recruiting, but they're kind of a, I don't know. Um, yeah. We'll see what Tom cream. We'll see. That's what, what I was about to mention. They have five star freshman guard, Anthony Edwards. They do. Anthony Edwards. So, yeah. I mean, but you, I mean, you saw it with LSU under Tommy Jones. I mean, you even, you just because you get the number one or, or a big time five star athlete on the court doesn't yeah. mean, doesn't automatically give you success. Absolutely. Got to have guys around him, which is kind of my issue with Arkansas. They don't, I don't know that they have anybody around Isaiah Joe. I'm, I'm, I think the jury's still out on, on, uh, on, uh, Scylla. I, I, I just don't know yet. I have watched film on him. He does look pretty impressive. He looks like he can be aggressive and tries to, uh, might try to drive the, drive the lane a little bit more often. And, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him back out there this year. Cheney, I want to see Cheney come. Yeah, along. Cheney too. Yeah. It is so time for him to come along. So I'm at, I'm somewhere between fourteen, sixteen wins. Okay. Uh, I just, I just don't like the, I don't like that that the lack of size, and they're not the only team in the SEC that doesn't have the size. There are, there's, I think yeah. probably one, maybe two teams that have that don't have the size. The good news is that Arkansas has some. I mean, they've got guards. They've got guys that can shoot. They've got they've got a sharpshooter in Isaiah Joe. Anything is possible when you've got someone like Isaiah Joe on your roster. That's what I will say. But I think they're somewhere between fourteen and, and seventeen wins, somewhere in there. That's mate. I can go for it. I think that's, that's. I think it's fair. I think that's good. Yeah, fair I think I think, and they they might sneak a big win out against somebody. They might sneak one out. I hope they get one against Georgia Tech. I could not stand how that one ended last year. Oh, man. That was terrible. <laughs> but, hey, at least at least that's over. We're, we're turning a new leaf. But, I mean, I think if Arkansas in year nine under Mike Anderson, if they would have gone to a year nine under Mike and won a 14, 16, 17 games, it would it have it been terrible. I mean, it, it was time to – it was time to go to a new system, a new style, a new, a new age. Basically. Can you, for the five people that we have that follow us, can you make a decent argument for bringing him back year nine? No, like I, I can't. And I, I loved when they hired Mike because Nolan Richardson too. to me was like a freaking hero. Todd Daly, maybe Oliver Miller, those guys. Like, I, there's pictures of me in their lap, like you know, getting their autographs. And stuff. Like I. I, I again that was a that was a picture yeah. for like that wasn't you know me hanging out <laughs> with six year old me just in Lee, yeah. Lee Mayberry's lap, um, but like I wanted him to work out so badly I was yeah. so excited to have that system back here, um, and it just didn't work out and I and I I was trying to th- I was thinking about a video to make making a case for Mike Anderson to come back year nine with a shorter title. Uh, and I, I couldn't eat, like I sat down and I was like, well, recruiting. No, recruiting is crap. Uh, well, you've got some size coming back, some talent. Well, nope, not really. Well, Mike Anderson's system, nope, not really. I really think had he come back year nine, it would have been his first losing season. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the case for Musselman this year. I really do. I don't, I just, it's not him. It's just kind of what he was left with. Yeah. But if, 
I'm with you on the Vanover stuff. If they if they can get Vanover uh, eligible, that could be a, ja- a game changer. That could Time's be running the difference. Out, well, they have until it's November. Because t- okay, so the way I understand this, maybe we can make this clear for the audience. He can be cleared to play, and they can make that announcement before or around, like in December. Oh, really? I th- if I if I understood that correctly. And how they were trying to describe this a year ago when they were talking about someone who was made ineligible until January that the NCAA, maybe I'm wrong on that. Don't quote me on it. Maybe we should have Googled it. But I'm pretty sure the NCAA can come back and say, as long as it's before January, before the next semester, that they can come back and they can be made eligible in the second portion of the school year. That's stupid. The second semester. It's it's dumb to begin with that we're having to wait this long on Vanover. Let's say that isn't the rule, which it probably isn't. It's stupid that they haven't even come back with a yes no answer. Yeah. That's all it, it takes is yes or no. Yeah. Absolutely. But hey, I mean it's coming up. It's Tuesday, first game, seven PM Tuesday against Rice, and it is going to be on the SEC plus that is Boom. something you have to buy a subscription for with Boom. ESPN, uh, SEC Plus. So that's how you get. That's how you can see that and the first four ball games all on an SEC Plus. South Dakota State will be the first one on the SEC Network, 8 p.m. November 22nd. Now these are these are subject to change. Yeah, they are subject to change, but I doubt they will change. I doubt they change. Yeah. So that'll do it for episode number 36 of the Hall Talk Podcast. Todd, do you have anything else to close with tonight, bud? No. Uh, I, I, you know, this was a, a, a show that was kind of pushed back tonight. If we both sound tired, we are exhausted. And I, we probably, like every show, are going to make some mistakes. <laughs> like forgetting about the practice, the, 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 the practice court. Um, that's okay. At the end of the day, I, I I love doing these shows with you, Jacob. They're a lot of fun, and when we have Porter on, it's a lot of it's just so much fun. How many downloads are we at? Thirteen? Are we at thirteen? Oh man, I don't even know. But I think I think, I think it's like thirteen. I didn't check this week. Thir- thirteen? I think we're close. I think last yeah. I saw it was thirteen. Yeah, 000. I think it's thirteen thousand. Obviously, my app won't update right now, but it was it was right around twelve point nine thousand downloads. So thank you, Razorback fans, for. Uh, downloading to me and active listeners to our show we couldn't do it without you y'all are the backbone of what we do Absolutely. so keep on keep on keeping on guys <laughs> gotta keep on keeping on if you ain't first hey, you last football season's almost over it's okay the negativity oh will not be over after football season anyway <laughs> if if morris stays that's a, that's another podcast for a different day but guys just just smile it's gonna be okay that's all i'm gonna smile end smile um, Friday's show, when we record on Thursday, it's going to be a good one. So if you guys want to reach out to us on social media, if you have any questions or whatever, we'll probably post a reminder. But I think that's going to be a really good show because there's going to be a lot to break down. So, Fighting Hilltoppers, led by quarterback Ty Story. He's a machine. Threw for 368 yards, three touchdowns. Two picks, though. Two, but nobody nobody listens to that. Nobody wants to re- remember that he had two picks, besides their fans. His quarterback rating isn't the greatest either, I, I, was, I was told, but right. I haven't actually looked it up. Yeah, before before yesterday's game, he was at 70% complete, uh, completion percentage, so that's, that's pretty, pretty good. good. Too. That's pretty yeah. good. So, yeah, so woo pig, guys, and uh, tune in. Uh, this is the Hog Talk Podcast.
The Yellow Jacket Drive-In is the hub of downtown Shooter, Arkansas. They are the home of the Hubcap Cheeseburgers. They'll give you crinkle-cut french fries that will tease your palates. The tastiest shakes in the state at 100 North Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas. They are family-owned, fast service, and the folks of the Yellow Jacket are ready to see you. Call in your order ahead at 870-942-2486. Shelby Taylor Trucking is the leading timber company in the business. If you need your lane cleared today, call them at 870-942-7288. TMK Properties is a premier real estate agency for folks looking to move into Sheridan and the surrounding area of Grant County, Arkansas. Tony and Mary Kay Palmer, with their elite real estate agents, are equipped and ready to make your search for the dream home go smoothly as possible. Schedule an appointment with them today at 870-942-0800. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.